This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Did you know that Los Angeles not only has the largest jail system in the United States, but it is believed to be the single largest jail system of any city in the world. And it didn't get there on accident. It got there because of policies and people. And today we're going to talk about a huge, huge opportunity that all of us have. It's going to take us months and months of hard work. A huge opportunity that we have to change the legal system, the justice system, right there in Los Angeles from the inside out. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. The, 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 The Breakdown. I am about to wade in to an uncomfortable conversation, and there's no easy way to have it, and it's a conversation that can't be avoided. Thankfully, I'm not on my own here, but I'm following the, the lead and the standard already set by the Black Lives Matter movement in Los Angeles and and just brilliant activists and organizers like Dr. Melina Abdullah. And I have to confront in this episode the district attorney of Los Angeles, Jackie Lacey. She is extremely problematic, and that's an understatement. This entire episode is going to be about just how problematic she truly is, But I need you to understand why having a problematic district attorney in Los Angeles and only a small percentage of you live in or near near L.A. And we have tens of thousands of you live in Los Angeles, but only a small percentage of you live there or know people there. But it's because through the office of District Attorney Jackie Lacey, comes the largest jail system in the country and in the world. Tens of thousands of people day in and day out are incarcerated in great part because of the standards and practices of the DA of Los Angeles. And Los Angeles, let me be clear, has always had a very problematic district attorney. But here's where this conversation gets uncomfortable. As you may know, the United States has about 2,400 district attorneys, and they are 95% white and 89% male, and less than one-half of 1%, which is astounding, of all district attorneys in this country are women of color. And that's not just African-American women, but women of all ethnicities, less than one half of 1%. 
And there is a limitation that we have to talk about and that we have to confront. There is a limitation when we elect someone and someone is advocated for because they check the box of being an African-American woman without filtering their policies and views, without considering who they are at their core, what they stand for, who they stand for, and who and what they stand against. What can happen, and this is not something relegated just to a, a black woman in this position, anytime we elect someone without truly considering their views, but elect them because they're young, because they're handsome or look a certain kind of way, because they speak a certain kind of way, because they are from a certain ethnic group or nationality, because they're from a certain religion or faith. Any one of those things can fool us, completely fool us into thinking that they actually stand for what we need them to stand for. And so I, I don't know if that lesson has been made any clearer than in Los Angeles with Jackie Lacey, who is the first African-American woman to ever be DA of Los Angeles and has been a complete nightmare of a DA, not only propping up the very worst parts of the system, but making them worse exacerbating them in ways that nobody ever could have imagined. And for years now, black activists and organizers all over Los Angeles have been screaming for the country to hear them that D.A. Jackie Lacey does not care about black people. And I know that's hard for people to hear, and I know people hear it and think, oh my God, how could someone be attacking the first black woman who's the district attorney of Los Angeles? I get it. We want nothing more than to have women in these positions. We want nothing more than to have representation in these positions. But Jackie Lacey is what happens when we fight for racial and gender representation without considering the political philosophy, the viewpoints, the standards, the worldview, without fully understanding and parsing out their views on police brutality and mass incarceration, on the role of race and racism and poverty in, in America's legal systems. And so Los Angeles does have a black woman as DA. And on the outside, that looks really, really progressive. But you could not find a single activist or organizer who would co-sign for you that she is the right person for that position. Instead, she is the representation of all that can go wrong when someone 
who is believed to be the part just isn't. Let me break it down. It's the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, break it down now. We have some construction and stuff going on in the office, and so if you hear some background noise, please forgive me. I can't wait until they leave to record the podcast, so you may just hear some noise in the background, and it's just going to be what it is. We just moved into a new podcast studio, which is actually in a brand new office building, so there's going to be some construction and background noise for a little while, and I can't just keep delaying the podcast every time we hear some noise. You know... I don't know if you heard this story of a man in Los Angeles, a elderly white man, a, a rich Democratic donor named Ed Buck. And for years, uh, so many local activists and organizers in, Los, in and around Los Angeles continued to say that black men, particularly young gay black men, were going into Ed Buck's home in Los Angeles and dying over and over again. Multiple black men were going into this man's home and were basically, we still aren't to the bottom of the story. They are going to his home and dying of drug overdoses and drug interactions. It was just a lot of shady stuff going on in this man's home. And so many local activists and organizers, including my good friend Jazz Mechanic and others, were saying like, hey, somebody needs to intervene because black men are going into this man's home and not coming out alive. And this wasn't like conjecture or speculation or gossip. Like it was fact. We we know the men's names. And as local organizers and activists continued to beg for the police and for the district attorney's office to intervene, they did nothing in part because this man is donating to their campaigns. Finally, just finally, this past week, Ed Buck was arrested. But the recent arrest of Ed Buck highlights the two very different criminal legal systems at play in Los Angeles under D.A. Jackie Lacey. And neither of them is keeping black people safe. Lacey, who is, again, the county's first African-American D.A., she prosecutes wealthy white people reluctantly and infrequently but prosecutes people of color excessively and incessantly. Whether they are witnesses, victims, or defendants, D.A. Lacey treats non-white people over and over again as second-class citizens. And Lacey faced exactly this sort of criticism in the wake of Ed Buck's recent arrest. Two years ago, Jamel Moore died of a drug overdose in a West Hollywood apartment owned by Ed Buck, who again is a wealthy, well-connected political donor there in Los Angeles. This January, Timothy Dean, again, this is after Jamel Moore already died in Ed Buck's apartment. This January, Timothy Dean died in the same location under the same circumstances. Both men were young, black, gay, and financially vulnerable. By the time of Dean's death, Los Angeles District Attorney Jackie Lacey was already aware of Buck's pattern of victimizing. She already knew it. Literally, people would be outside of her office every day for hundreds of days straight saying, pay attention to what's going on at Ed Buck's home. 
most of not, if not all of Ed Buck's targets were impoverished gay men of color. Now, after Jamel Moore's death, other men fortunate enough to survive Buck's abuse actually reported their trauma to county investigators. Family members and activists and local community members implored. They all but begged D.A. Jackie Lacey to take the victim's story seriously. But Lacey refused to file charges of any kind. And she just flat out refused to take any action against Buck. And again, while she refused to take action, somebody else died again in his home. In the years between the deaths of Moore and Dean, she refused to engage with the victims, and she literally made many of them feel like they were the criminals in the situation. And she failed to warn their communities and to protect vulnerable people who continue to go to this man's home and not come out the same. Congresswoman Karen Bass, who I love and respect so much, Democrat from California, Congresswoman Karen Bass is amazing. She summed it up when she said this. She said, Lacey's inaction in response to the deaths at Ed Buck's home had a message that was loud and clear. Black gay lives obviously don't matter to her. And Lacey's apparent indifference to black and brown lives, it's not new. Buck's case is but one in a long list of stories and policies that have really pockmarked her tenure and sent the message that she's just not interested in keeping black communities safe. When black and brown people are accused of crimes, Lacey wastes no time at all bringing the full weight of her office down upon them. She had, listen to this, she has sought the death penalty exclusively against people of color. No white people have ever been charged with the death penalty in her tenure. She refuses to prosecute law enforcement despite hundreds, not dozens, but hundreds of police shootings during her tenure, which have disproportionately involved, as you already know, victims of color. She also has a long, well-documented history of opposing any reforms whatsoever that are aimed at criminal justice issues that, again, disproportionately impact people of color. And I want to give you some additional context on Jackie Lacey's handling of the Buck case, as well as her record on some of the other issues that I've mentioned, because we are about to support a different candidate, an oppositional candidate running against her in this race. Let me break that down. Her treatment, Jackie Lacey's treatment of victims in the Ed Buck case is really symptomatic of problems she's had during her entire tenure. Although Lacey, who is gearing up for an election, although she publicly claims to support reform, really as long as it doesn't jeopardize public safety, that's what she says, her actions and really her inaction throughout her entire tenure have consistently shown otherwise. She doesn't support reforms. The handling of Buck's case fits an old, disturbing pattern of Lacey failing to hold people accountable when they harm black folk. Not only has Congresswoman Karen Bass refused to endorse Jackie Lacey, even though she endorsed Jackie Lacey in 2012, 
Congresswoman Maxine Waters has done the same thing, refusing to endorse her again. County Supervisor Mark Ridley Thomas refuses to endorse her. It's noteworthy that none of these leaders have stepped forward in support of her reelection. Now, Jackie Lacey forever refused to admit that she had actually received campaign contributions from Ed Buck, and she didn't return those campaign contributions until months into the investigation, and even then she only returned them under pressure from the media. So she is receiving campaign contributions from the man that people are begging her to to investigate, and even during the investigation, she refuses to return those donations. It's problematic. And here's what we know, and, and this is these are the words of my friend Jasmine Kanick. Jasmine said, if white gay men had been dying in a black man's house, or for that matter, in anybody's house, this case would have been taken a lot more seriously. And Jasmine is really the was the primary voice, the primary force behind making sure that Ed Buck was held accountable. Jasmine started talking to me about this three years ago. And for three years, I'm aware of it. All of Jasmine's followers are aware of it. And Jackie Lacey was made aware of it by Jasmine and by other activists and organizers, but she refused to do anything about it. But her treatment of Ed Buck giving him so much deference while ignoring the victims, it's symptomatic of her leadership in general. Since taking office in 2012, Los Angeles District Attorney Jackie Lacey has sought and won the death penalty against 22 different people. Every single person she sought and won the death penalty for in Los Angeles was a person of color. Let me put it another way. Under Jackie Lacey, only people of color have been sentenced to death. White people never get it. Zero. Zero point zero zero percent. Of those 22 cases where she has successfully sought the death penalty only against people of color, nine of those defendants had lawyers who were previously disbarred or got disbarred after the case. Many of them were suspended or charged with misconduct. A 10th defendant had a lawyer who repeatedly fell asleep during his trial. Again, let me explain that. Ten different people were sentenced to death, all people of color under D.A. Lacey, whose attorneys were previously or subsequently disbarred or had some type of misconduct or fell asleep during the trial. You should, I'm against the death penalty in general, broadly, specifically, any way you look at it, but nobody should be sentenced to death when their attorney has so much misconduct. It's not just that, though. She has zero accountability in police shootings. And during her tenure, during District Attorney Jackie Lacey's reign there in Los Angeles, nearly 500 people have died at the hands of law enforcement there in Los Angeles County. Of those 500, she has prosecuted only one law enforcement officer in connection with those deaths. Just one. One out of 500. Like, I don't even have my calculator app handy to give you the math of that. One out of 100 is 1%. We're talking about one out of 500. And we have to ask ourselves, 
Why is that? Why are police continued to why are they why do they continually get the deference from her when nobody else gets it? Now here's the thing. She has a long troubled history of opposing reform at every turn. In Los Angeles County, I need God, I need you to hear this. African Americans in Los Angeles County are incarcerated at 13 times the rate of white residents. And 13 times. It is preposterous. And Jackie Lacey is actively thwarting reform efforts that would railroad fewer people, save money, and make communities safer. Under her tenure, over and over again, she has advocated for the harsher prosecution of children at a time where cities and counties and states all over this country are saying we have to treat children like children. She continues to prosecute them as harshly, almost as anybody in the country. It's outrageous. She continues. We've talked on this podcast about the felony murder rule, which limits people who can be prosecuted for felony murder when they weren't actually the ones who committed it. She continues to fight for that rule and fight against any type of reform. If you put a microphone in front of her face, she will tell you that mental health is a top priority. But listen to me. There are 3,000 people right now in jail in Los Angeles with mental health issues who should not be in jail. They don't need incarceration. They need treatment. This is her doing. I'm talking about 3,000 people in jail right now under her watch, who all have mental health problems. One of the things that I'm most frustrated with D.A. Jackie Lacey about is that she has refused to create what we call across the country, uh, what we call a do not call list. And uh, our, our friend and hero, Larry Krasner, who is the district attorney of Philadelphia, and many other D.A.s now across the country have created these do not call lists for officers with a history of misconduct, dishonesty, or racism, or bias. And what these do not call lists represent are lists of officers who just aren't going to be allowed to testify in court. They have already been found to be open bigots, have open cases of misconduct. Many of them have charges. It's like, listen, if you have lied under oath repeatedly, we're no longer going to call you to testify. And now the most progressive district attorneys in the country have just said, hey, here's my list. I'm going to publish it. None of these officers can ever testify in my court because they are bigots or liars or corrupt in some kind of way. She refuses to create any such list. She is now backing so many horrible bills that thankfully did not pass and is opposing some of the best criminal justice bills in California, which I have to say are some of the best criminal justice bills in the country, legal justice, just reform bills for the legal system or justice system, including Prop 47, uh, which she opposed, which reclassified some theft and drug possession charges from felonies to misdemeanors. Again, she continues to oppose any type of reform to legislation about police shootings, about marijuana prosecutions. 
she opposed Proposition uh, 57, which provided greater access to parole for nonviolent offenders and inmates who would display good conduct while they were in jail or prison. And here's the thing. These these uh, uh, pieces of legislation were widely supported, even by some district attorneys, just not her. And it just doesn't have to be this way. Laws do not have to be the way they are. Now, you've heard me say this here on this podcast. But in the United States, we don't have thousands or even tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of laws. We have millions. And they need to be changed and reformed, sometimes erased, law by law, policy by policy, statute by statute. And once we begin to understand what laws are the most problematic laws, we begin to target them. But when people do it there in Los Angeles, in California, she opposes it over and over again. Listen, she has enormous, D.A. Jackie Lacey has enormous, unequaled power and discretion as the gatekeeper of the criminal legal system in Los Angeles, which is facing a crisis of mass incarceration. I, I said this at the beginning, but I need to say it again. Los Angeles, it is the largest county in the United States, and it need, we need it to be a trendsetter, not a regressive, horrible model that has produced the nation's largest jail system while using black and brown people as, as money-making machines, basically, in this system, which is, let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Los Angeles spends tens of millions of dollars on its mass incarceration systems. And again, as you've heard me say on this podcast, we don't have one system of mass incarceration in this country. We have 30,000 micro, and I mean that number literally, we have about 30,000 different micro systems. And at the root of those systems is the reality that thousands of employees, millions of employees, and thousands of vendors are making so much money off of these systems. And they know when we make these systems smaller, they'll, we'll start to let go. We will, if, you have, if you cut that jail size in half, you won't need the same number of employees. And instead of having a jail with tens of thousands of employees, some of those people could be social workers, counselors, mental health experts, crisis intervention experts. We need to we need to divert some of the billions of dollars that's going into the systems of mass incarceration and divert it to mental health and prevention. And we have to start in a city and in a county like Los Angeles, because if it's not happening there in Los Angeles, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be hard to make it happen anywhere else. Listen, I have one action step that I'm going to unpack and explain for you, and then we'll be done for the day. Today's action step is theoretical, and I need to introduce it to you before we present to you a great candidate for district attorney there in Los Angeles. You heard me say just a few episodes ago that in the United States, we don't have one legal system, one justice system. It's 30,000 microsystems. 
what I need us to understand is that in the nation's, it's really about 120, between 125 and 150 counties. Of the 2,500 counties that have district attorneys, about 125 or so of them process 50% of all people through the systems of mass incarceration. And no system is bigger and more problematic and more punitive than that in Los Angeles County. Do you hear me? And what I need you to understand is that if you're not in Los Angeles but really want to change this system, you have to care about Los Angeles because there's going to come a time where you will need people in Los Angeles to care about your county. So today I want to ask you something that is an emotional switch that I want you to flip on. Even if you don't live in Los Angeles, even if you don't have family or friends there, even if you don't live in California, I need you to begin understanding the value of changing the justice system, the legal system there in Los Angeles from the inside out. Can you do that? Because I'm going to be asking you to volunteer for Los Angeles. I'm going to be asking you to donate to the causes in Los Angeles so we can change that system. The nation's largest, most punitive county in the country. And again, it is the largest single jail system of any county in the world. And if we can't change it there, then we can't change the system. And so, again, this system changes city by city, county by county. And we need you on board. Can you commit to that? I need you and Los Angeles needs you. And if you're listening to this podcast, I know your heart is a heart for change. Let's change the system from the inside out. Take care, everybody. Break it down.